I like that, everyone. Dale's just giving me the go-ahead. Go whenever you want. What a mantra for life. Welcome to the Beyond 90 podcast. Let's get right into it. It's It's been a week of football. It feels like there's been heaps of games. Sunday was pretty busy. Saturday felt busy. Thursday night football was pretty good. So, yeah, I've, I've been pretty happy with the week of football. But at some point, there's a team or two that need to catch up on some of their games and they're probably in the spotlight as well, being in lockdown. So anyone who's in Perth at the moment, we send our best wishes to you for your five-day lockdown. Hopefully it's not too bad. Stay away from the fridge is my top tip for you. Let's um, let's welcome the crew. We've got Dale Roots. Hello. Dale, how's your week been? Hot. The weekend was lovely. I, I As you said, like it was a very busy weekend of football. And I must admit, um, I, I went to the Sydney-Newcastle game with... Uh, obviously Eric was there with me and friend of the pod Chris Carulli as well Lockie was there with some mates as well so there was a, a bit of a Beyond 90 theme going on but we went to the went to the game and then afterwards went went to the to the the delightful DY hotel for a for a round of sports drinks and uh, I got home and I was just absolutely wrecked from like a huge day of football and um, I feel a lot of people were probably in the same boat but yes I've been very well other than that that's good to hear and what about you Eric how's your world going and welcome to the pod as well you're always busy you're always watching plenty of football but I think I saw a tweet or two that you made your way to Canberra as well so that must have been good yes Cyril I did I did it was quite a weekend I'm so glad to not be driving right now because I feel like I spent the whole weekend doing that but yeah lovely trip down to Canberra and another mini Beyond 90 catch up with um, Stefan and a fr- friend of Beyond 90, his son Kai, whose photographs have appeared in uh, many of our articles. And, uh, you know, fantastic Viking Park's a lovely venue with a club next door, even better. And, you know, just you know, great, great to see um, another great home performance from the team in green and the community once again really getting behind them. And I backed it up by going to Kroger Park, as Dale said. Yeah, interesting that you comment on Viking Park and it does look really good. It looks like a quality stadium and a quality ground. And I think for me, I've grown up in in the the throes of McKellar Park and that's always been the home of football for me in regards to Canberra. And, And now that they've moved on to Viking Park, initially, I think I felt a little bit deterred that it, you know, it could never be as good as McKellar, but it really does look like a great, place and I'm not sure what it's like as a spectator I haven't had the good fortune to get there yet but interested in in your thoughts about the ground but then the flip side that I probably wanted to talk about was Cromer Park which to me based on TV only because I've not been at the ground if I can use a four-letter swear word it looks shit yeah I mean like Viking Park is um Aside from Bruce and Monica, which are the two kind of like headline venues in the ACT, obviously they've hosted kind of national and international sport in the past. Um, Viking Park is probably next on the list. Um, in terms of surface quality, um, it is far and away the, I mean, it's it's up there with the best pitches in, in the league, if I'm really honest with you. Um, it's been, that I think, United have been really lucky in that there wasn't a hell of a lot of uh, rugby played on it. Rugby Union is its main 
uh, its main code of choice uh, and the Vikings club next door. Well, I mean, Canberra Vikings own the ground and Vikings is like one of the biggest rugby clubs in, in, uh, in Canberra. Um, but they have been, they've been really lucky in that during COVID and, and kind of in that period between, uh, between the, you know, the really cold Canberra winter and the, what usually is a screaming hot Canberra summer, um, the grass looks like it's had a real chance to grow. Um, which has been really good. And, and every time I've seen it on TV, it looks absolutely picture perfect. I'm looking forward to getting down there and having a bit of a closer look. I did have a peer through the fence when I didn't, went down for Christmas. But aside from that, unfortunately, I haven't been able to have a, have a squiz. But as you say, um, Chroma Park is a great ground. It's just unfortunate the big green thing that's in everybody's kind of looking at. Yeah. Yes, the, yes. And the, I wish and it was they, green. And though. they made comment yeah. on that, as you said, Eric. As you, as you are, as you were probably going to mention, they they made comment on that uh, when we were doing our post match interviews. Yes, um, I mean, yeah, I think um, just it's so for those of you not familiar with NPL New South Wales, um, uh, the Chroma Park surface, you know, one of the oldest synthetic surfaces up here, and it's notoriously difficult for being play, difficult to play on. And like one of Manly's biggest, the home, the home NPL club, Manly United, one of their biggest um, advantages. Um, also, I think in terms of the ground looking bad, it is unfortunate that the camera is in the stands and not facing the stand because if it had faced the stand you would have seen the massive crowd it was so and busy my god it was big yeah wow. i know that i know that like during covid we've had kind of like a whether it's been a 50% rule or a 25% rule but there were 1300 people at the game um on su- on a sunday evening in manly um and yes the northern beaches is very insular if you've not been living under a rock that's obviously where the the most recent um covid outbreak was in sydney so like the 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 northern beaches are like the Willy Wonka factory. Like nobody ever goes in and nobody ever comes out, um, which is why there's such a strong um, home support there. Especially for like when when we'll come onto it, but when Remy Simpson scored, it's like it's very similar to Canberra in that like everybody knows everybody in the football community, and and Remy's looked up to by a lot of young girls down there. Um, but yeah, the pitch just looked awful, and um, it wasn't helped by the fact that it was wet. Um, it wasn't helped by the fact that there, to, from what we were having the discussion with uh, Auntie Udic after the game, it, they're looking at replacing the surface in the next few months. Um, but yeah, it's it really was chalk and cheese in comparison to the Viking Park um, pitch. Is it good enough? That would be the question as well. Is it good enough to host that that level of football? And I know that there's a significant home field advantage for Sydney. FC or slash Manly, whichever team you want to call it, mm. but that doesn't necessarily, and, and the crowd's, crowd's terrific. I mean, these are all good things, but, you know, we've had grounds in the past in, in Victoria where players have been out there and they've injured themselves because yeah. the quality of, of the pitch hasn't been good enough. So, you know, yes, you've got to get the crowds to the game, but not at the risk of the players. So visually, it didn't look good enough. Mm. If it's actually good enough and it's just a visual thing, it doesn't look pretty, that's a different thing. Mm. Um, I, I think that once they relay, as Eric was saying, like it's one of the older turf surfaces. There are better turf surfaces out there and the technology's yeah. come a long way in the last kind of five years. Um, like if you look back at playing at, say, for example, when Sydney used to host games at Lambert Park, or the last, because the last game we, we were actually having this discussion um, prior to podcast. The last the last game played on turf away from Chroma Park was 
Sydney versus Brisbane at Seymour Shore. That's the only other venue outside of Lambert Park that's been played on recently that's been synthetic. Because um, I know that I think Victory played at the Veneto Club a while ago. It must be a few years ago now, which was a synthetic surface. But obviously, they've kind of leaned away from that. But once they, once they re-turf Chroma with new technology and new synthetic i think it'll look really good they're also looking at improving the facilities there in terms of um just like change rooms and bathrooms and stuff like that they have a really nice grandstand the lucas neal grandstand that doesn't have a bathroom in it like it's just it's kind of a bit of a hodgepodge um but yeah as you say whether it's good enough uh i think is questionable at this point maybe five years ago yes because it would have been the best that it was available but at the moment, um, once they re-turf it, hopefully it will be it will be spick and, uh, spick and span. Okay. I thought you were going to struggle, struggle the fence a little bit there and not tell me what you really thought about it. You said it's, it's going to look good for the future, but what does it look like now? Yeah. We don't know. I mean, the, the fixture is interesting at the moment that we don't necessarily know who's playing who where next week, let alone for the rest of the season. So we don't know whether or not there will be games there coming up. But... Yeah, interesting stuff. Any thoughts that you had on that as well, Eric? Oh, in terms of the pitch? Mm. Uh, um, I think <laughs> they can't replace it soon enough. Um, just, there's off-the-record things that may be, and I think in the Manly men's team, that pitch might have shortened a few careers. So, yeah. And there's players, and I know there's play, long-time Manly players that there's at least one, and he actually, I've never seen him get past 65 minutes in all yep. the times that all the games I've watched on um, that team. So, which is not great. Okay. I, I remember right. when, I remember, sorry to jump in, Shez. I remember when they had this same issue with Docklands, like when AFL players were doing ACLs at Docklands because it was too sandy. So like if they can improve the surface at Docklands, which is a massive multi-million dollar, but roofed arena, there's no reason they can't do it at Chroma mm-hmm. Park yeah. for a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Yep. All right. Bring it on. Let's talk about the results for round six, because we've said we all enjoyed it, apart from me giving the thumbs down to to the ground that we've just been talking about. But the first match that we had was a a victory for victory, 1-0. Really tough for Adelaide. They were in the game. They're pretty pretty even. I think it's maybe it qualified almost as a draw sometimes in my head, you know. But it was a great goal by Zimmerman. It was great to see. She's actually climbing the ladder a little bit. She's still in the goal-scoring hunt, so that's great. Saturday, we saw Canberra United 3-0 against the Western Sydney Wanderers in what was for Heyman a hat-trick for maybe a half an hour or a couple of hours or half a day or something or other, but now it's just a brace. So sorry about that for Heyman, but there's excitement to come in the future for her. Melbourne City went down 2-3 to Brisbane Raw at Amy Park. Interesting result, and we'll talk about that one as well. And then finally, for the Sunday match, we had Sydney 2-0 up against Newcastle Jets. And just quickly on the ladder, actually, maybe we should talk about the ladder a little bit because we've got um, one of our gang, Mick, does some great graphics for us, and he kind of shows you, and we'll add that in the show notes as well, it kind of shows you where your team is and how many games in hand and how how far they can actually get along the line it's round six at the moment but the teams have played so many it varies how many games they've played we see Sydney on top with 12 they've played four so that's actually really good because everyone else in there apart from Perth at the bottom has played more than Sydney so Sydney is looking really good 
Canberra have played five. They're on 11 points, so just the one point behind Sydney. We see Brisbane Roar in there. They've played six, which is pretty high compared to the, you know, some of the other teams in there. They've got 10 points. Given that they started with four draws, I think, so four four points from the first four matches, they've made that look a bit better for themselves. And then big clap and maybe add some sound effects in here that Adelaide United have played five and now they've got nine points, which I think is terrific for them. Looking down the bottom for the, the bottom five sides, we've got Melbourne Victory played five with seven points. Newcastle Jets played five, four points. City have played six and only four points. So their season is um, not looking good. I think it'd be fair to say with only six matches to go. In eighth position, we've got the Wanderers played five on three points. And then at the bottom, Perth, who have played three. I think two of those have been against Adelaide and they've just got the one point at the moment. So what about what do you think, guys, on the positions, the number of games that the different teams have played and any, do you want to do a round six projection for the end of season? After you, Eric. <laughs> the bus is running uh, in. Wow. This is, I think, next Monday's game. Yes, it is a Monday afternoon between Sydney and Canberra. I suppose you might talk about, well, why, but that's, if they're Sydney, Canberra, that's almost like a final, like, a finals preview, if not a grand final preview, that'll go a long way, I think, to deciding the premiership. I think yeah, Brisbane, you know, they think that having played more games, they're going to find it hard to catch up to um, two sides that have been playing excellent football. So that um, current top four looks pretty good. I think the only team that can bust into that is Melbourne Victory, who had a, a, a glitch against Brisbane, but have re- recovered well against Adelaide. So really, it's I think, in terms of my prediction, I think well, you know, six downwards, they're out of the they're out of the running. I think, and I think that I feel like the premier, the premier will be either Sydney or Canberra. Yeah, I don't I don't think you're too far off there, honestly. I feel like, um, and I don't want to consign them to the dustbin of history, but like Adelaide have been, you know, January premiers before. They've been really, like last year, they were ready to go to the finals and then they just absolutely bottled it. Um, Melbourne Victory are the exact uh, dictionary definition of mediocrity at the moment. They are perfectly even. They even have a zero goal difference. Wow. um, Which is uh, good for them. It's what I've always said about Melbourne. Perfectly mediocre. Um, But yeah, as you said, I mean... I feel like I need to butt in now. (laughs) But, I but as you said, I think, I think Sydney and Canberra, like I think it's going to be between them. Uh, Brisbane having only played, uh, Brisbane having played more games rather and having those four draws. Like it's amazing that we're basically halfway through the season and we've still got three undefeated teams. Um, I, f- I really feel for Perth. I, I genuinely had this moment when we were driving back from that, or when I was driving back from the game yesterday where I, and I said this to you guys, Eric, like it wouldn't surprise me if Perth are either playing like, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, or they just they they don't finish and they get a points per game at the end of the year, like because of the way that like the hard border and things like that. I hope to God it doesn't come to that, but um, yeah, I feel I really feel for them at the moment. But at, I I'm, I I agree with Eric's point about I think it's going to be either Sydney or Canberra at this point. Yeah, it it is the season where COVID has 
had a bit of an impact or more than a bit of an impact, particularly in Melbourne where the players didn't get any, I mean, there, were, there was no NPL. Teo Pelizzeri wrote, and happy birthday, Teo, we're recording this on your birthday on the Monday night. There was an article that came out from him, an opinion piece just about Melbourne City and how really good at recruitment, but what have they been doing to develop the local players? So I think that's interesting. Melbourne City do have a bit more of a, a local player perspective in their team, but they've not necessarily been getting lots of game time. So I wonder whether or not, um, sorry, Melbourne Victory's game will get better in the next couple of rounds more so comparative to any of the other teams out there. Sydney, I feel like they've hit their stride pretty early. I mean, given that they announced their squad in 2017, they just seem to be on the ball straight away. But one of the key things to look at is, you know, qualification for finals is just that. It's qualification for finals. You then need to win the semi-final and you then need to win the final. So, I think Brisbane, even though they maybe started slow, I feel like they've got some good form coming in. And, and one of the announcements that just came out today was about Larissa Crummer. There was um, some good banter that I saw from you guys because it seems like we've got some great defenders out there. But can Larissa Crummer fit in in the forward line and help them score more goals together with Emily Gilnick? I don't know. She did a terrific job in Melbourne City a couple of years ago where she placed herself in a fantastic position and was able to get, you know, finish that final third. So I think that was good for her. So it's just about getting to the final. So, you know, I tend to agree with you guys. I think it's Sydney, Canberra, Brisbane have all got great form. I think Adelaide might surprise people. And I'd love them to be there, to be honest. I'd love to see them there at the expense of Melbourne. It just hurts a little bit, though. Anyway, that's my thoughts. Um, we were going to talk a little bit about the Perth lockdown as well, but given that it's only five days at this point in time, and we really don't know too much about what's happening with the schedule, but we expect that, you know, there's going to, going to be some compression, I think, when we traditionally see the teams just be playing one match per round or one and around, therefore, equaling a week. We're now potentially seeing multiple rounds and multiple games in the space of a week, which for fans that might be really interesting and or really challenging. But for players, I think it's going to come down a lot to the depth of the squads that they have to be able to maintain the the freshness in, in their team to get through. So a question, and I might throw this to Eric in the first instance and then Dale, your thoughts as well. Which of the teams do you think have the greatest depth? If Cromer can be the goal scorer, central goal scorer that Brisbane need, then it's Brisbane because they have they seem to have pretty much everything everything else covered. Um, I wasn't able to uh, didn't catch uh, their victory yesterday because I was on the road driving directly from Canberra to Cromer Park, but that's another story. And uh, but yeah, just looking at their list and all the big time experience that they have, I think yeah, just. If she can be, you know, the cherry on top, so to speak, uh, yeah, I, I think they'd be the deepest squad. And you make a good point, Cheryl, about compression. Yeah, this is, this is where the competition for places really uh, will um, benefit uh, those coaches who managed to create that. Sydney FC are pretty deep as well, right? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably echo what you say uh, there, Eric. I'm nothing too controversial from me. Um, Victory, I think, have a lot of depth but I, I i think a lot of that depth is kind of at the lower end of their squad they have a few really good standouts um 
and the players who would consider themselves kind of not not necessarily just squaddies, but there's kind of like maybe six or seven players who you would put first on the team sheet. And then there's um, probably the rest of the squad that you would consider around the same uh, kind of quality, which is good because obviously it just means that you can you can cycle, say, four of your top seven in and out. You play four in one week, four in the other week if you do need to come through these cycling things. And also they'll have sports scientists who will be all over this kind of stuff. Um, I think for me... Um, once once Sydney get uh, Liz Ralston back eventually, like they have an incredible amount of depth on the bench. They have their their bench would probably read Taylor Ray, Liz Ralston, Alira Toby, Rachel Lowe, Katie Offer most weeks. And then add to that, you've probably got Angela Christodoulou, um, Charlie Rule, Charlie Rule, and that's about it. That's year eighteen. Um, all, all of whom, I think that whole bench with Ralston, Ralston, Low, Toby, and Ray. I think aside from Ray, all three of those have Matildas caps, and Ray has played for the young Matildas before. I'm almost certain. Um, yeah, Canberra's in the same. Canberra's in the same kind of basket, I think. But yeah, this Crummer signing. If they can get her up top and play her through the middle, then they're a real chance because they've got some quality service going through. Yeah, I think these are good points. Well, let's talk about some of our regular segments that we have. So goal of the round, and I'm going to kick off. For me, this was reasonably easy, I suppose. And shout out to Michelle Heyman, who really did um, bring us back to 2008 or whatever it was a couple of episodes ago that Dale called out. But she took a left foot shot. She was basically surrounded. She turns and just shoots. I don't know how much visibility she had of, I'm sure she knew where she was, but it just finesse in shooting under pressure really put Canberra in a great position at that point in time. And she looks like she's leading the team in, in a thorough way. So Michelle Heyman making Canberra United look really good whether or not and they seem to be finishing their chances a lot better than a lot of the other teams that we're seeing and particularly if we go back to the first four rounds with Brisbane Raw lots of chances but not finishing on the flip side you see Canberra United I don't know how many chances that they're getting but they do seem to finish relatively well so that's it for me what about you Eric you've got a goal of the round as well I do but the other thing I wanted to point out about the Michelle Hayman goal I don't think the Wanderers could have defended that any better. Just a case of a brilliant player on top form. Um, you think you mentioned, um, did she know bearings? I think players that, players that good wouldn't be surprised if she looked at the, pit, at the pitch markings and said, all right, I know where the goal is now. But that, yeah, I do like picking apart where defences could have done better. I think on that instance, nothing the Wanderers could have done. It's just brilliant play from Michelle Heyman. My pick for goal of the round, I will always... <laughs> Of course, I'm going to stick with the futsal player. It is Mario Hecker's winner against Melbourne City for Brisbane Raw. In space on the right-hand side, and the angle was very much against her, but she has absolutely um, destroyed that ball. And any that angle, who has been brilliant all season, no easy beat. Yeah, I, Hecker for me as well. Like, she just absolutely kicked the shit out of it. <laughs> and that, for me, <laughs> qualifies as a good goal. Therefore, goal of the round. <laughs> All right. Savor the round then. 
I think I'm going to lead this one off as well. And I don't have a, a specific one. And, and even though Melbourne City went down to Brisbane Roar, I think Tegan Micah again kept them in the in the game really, really well. I think she's got some great skills that she's showcasing herself. She's preempting what's happening. She's got a really good defence around her, but I don't know how well they're actually connecting and working together. I, I think there's a lot of camaraderie, to be honest, when when you see the players on Instagram and whatnot, it looks like they're really bonding, but there just seems to be some gaps with their defense. I, I think maybe just a little bit. So Tegan Micah is leading and doing a terrific job. I think some statistics were thrown up during some of the broadcast, which showed her with the most saves as well. So huge, valuable effort for her. And I think for Tegan Micah, putting herself in a good position, I'm not saying a winning position, but a good position for Matilda's selection as well. Eric. Uh, my save of the round. Um, down at Viking Park, Keely Richards on debut. And by the way, shout out to Andy Howe for answering my question about um, teams playing three goalkeepers in the same season. So it has happened before, which, but yeah. So Ke um, yeah, Keely Richards, the Queenslander um, on debut. There was one excellent save tipping a Lena Karma shot over the top in the first half, but I'm picking one in the second half. Wanderers break down the right. It's a low cross to Libby Copas-Brown who... Gets, gets a little bit of the toe poke action in from eight yards out. And like a cat, um, Richards was move, moving across to get to it. Nice strong hand to get the ball well away from danger. So no chocolate wrist situation where it hits the hand and goes in. It was a, it was a brilliant save. I was, um, where I was sitting kind of near pitch level, it just, I think the low angle made it look even better. But I'm really impressed. And now Canberra have three good goalkeepers. Good times for them. Uh, and Tegan Micah times about eight. I thought she was phenomenal on the weekend. Um, really unlucky to be in a losing side. Um, but she, like it could have been six two in reality. She made some absolutely unbelievable saves. Um, I know that uh, the, the there was a, a part. There was also a pass that um, and I, and I want to shout out. I know we'll probably come onto this, but pass of the round. Um, uh, Raleigh Dobson played this through ball to Chinatsu Kira and it, she literally took out half of the Brisbane team and Worth made this unbelievable flying save to her left, which I cannot, still cannot get my head around. Um, but yeah, both, both goalkeepers in that Melbourne City Brisbane game were, were top quality for mine. Yeah, good point. And I think if we move on to that pass of the round, I'd agree what, with what Dale was saying. But Eric, you've got another pass of the round as well. I think there was some really good passing in that Canberra match. So just to steal a little bit of the thunder, but straight over to you. Yep. So uh, we've spoken about Canberra's first goal. So the second goal from Saturday, a brilliant team play. Uh, Kendall Fletcher spotting the opportunity and a perfect ball over the top to meet the run of Nikki Flannery, who was... Um, sensational especially in the first half against the Wanderers and uh, they just uh, Wanderers defense just couldn't handle Nikki's speed and you know, off the ball movement so that so that sent Nikki Flannery away and then Michelle Heyman knew exactly where to run Nikki Flannery knew exactly where to play the ball 2-0 to Canberra but that uh, set up by that brilliant pass from Kendall Fletcher. Yeah, that cohesion is really lovely to see. And like I said before, not to repeat the point too much, but that's what we're not seeing, I think, at the moment with Melbourne City. We're not necessarily seeing that cohesion and it could be that they may need more time to get around it. But yeah, great job. Tackle of the round for me, just moving on quickly. 
I think Sam Johnson laid out some pretty good, um, pretty clean, pretty good tackles of the round for me. So I think Melbourne City had plenty of tackles, but uh, they didn't get all of them. So Sam Johnson gets a bit of a gong from me. Uh, Jada Wyman tackling, was it Gemma House? Went through one-on-one. Yeah, just absolutely smashed her. Um, and uh, uh, honourable mention, <laughs> honourable mention. I know that she ended up conceding a goal, but um, uh, Remy Simpson flattening Claire Quilio was, was a bit of a highlight as well. Um, but uh, we, there was a lot of chatter um, in those of us who was who were at the game, um, sitting up in the in the ivory tower in the in the media box, um, regarding whether it should have been a foul, and I. I wouldn't have called it a foul. I'm not a qualified referee, but to me, it was just a good 50-50 and Coelho was unlucky. But yeah, um, goalkeepers coming out of the box and finding that they're not as protected, always good. So for me, I love a crunching tackle. I saw plenty of crunching tackles on the weekend, but not necessarily many that were clean. So I'm thinking of, I might just, um, you know, go do something a bit different and not... A, not one tackle for me, but Emma Ilioski's defensive performance on Tegan Collister. You exactly was always in the way. Um, it's only her second W League start. Tegan Collister has young Matilda's experience, runs like the wind, and Emma Ilioski had an answer for everything that uh, was chucked at her down the side. So she is looking like an absolutely brilliant young football. I, I am prepared to already call her. I like the big call. I'm prepared to call her as the future Matilda's left back. Ooh. And just to add, just to add to that, a sensational drag back to get rid of Isabel Gomez in the second half, about the seventy-fourth minute. If you want to look back and find it, we're just um, yes. So um, sending sending Izzy Gomez to the club to grab a point. So great stuff. I think for the people who are listening in, it's really interesting because we record these podcasts with video as well. And it's lovely to see Eric when he's recounting these stories that he's just smiling away. You can see the the passion and fun that he has about the football. So, yep, absolutely. Let's move on to something else that I've added in there. And I don't know if I've given the, the guys enough time for this one but we talked about what we were going to call this week's pod and Dale put out that he wanted to call it humidity that you can see now I wanted to counter that and say maybe we should call it funniest home videos because there was in the coverage that we watched there was a trumpet was it a trumpet no it was a tuba the tuba a tuba So I thought maybe it could be funniest home videos. But when we talk about the hot topics, I think we've got some bloopers going on and it's been an interesting season where we've got lots of games. So it's great to be able to see it. And you look back to the olden days where I will admit that I've been watching football for quite a while where we used to watch games through Twitter. It'd be, you know, who's going to tweet something? Can you tweet something? What's happening? I don't know what's happening because no one's tweeted for the last, you know, five minutes or something or other. So we're a fair way ahead of where we were. And yet there's still a reasonable amount of space to go. Now, I know lots of people have been quite confrontational about it's not good enough. And we we did see, I think there was a, a short brief note that came out from the, was it the head of leagues? I can't remember just saying we're working together, we'll work out what the situation is and we'll make it better. 
Um, and then there were words that were stronger than that, just saying it, it's unacceptable. The, the game deserves more than this. The fans deserve more than that. The players deserve more than that. And I agree with all of that. I think this is where I'll throw back to, I work in IT. That's, that's my job that I do on the side of this or the, you know, one of them's on the side of the other. Sometimes I can't work out which one it is, but, you know, we, we talk about failure not necessarily being a bad thing because failure teaches you what what you can do better. So I hope that this is maybe with my positive head on, some positive vibes that we can see, okay, we, we get that this isn't good enough and we need to make it better. And if we look at the leagues around the world, I, I think there is improvement for the NWSL. I think there's plenty of room for improvement. For the coverage, for the commentary, I think there's plenty of room for improvement as well. And it's my biggest bugbear that we can't seem to find qualified women to do the calls, whether or not it's the commentary, the colour commentary. I'm, I'm, I'll put it out there. I'm just a little bit sick to death of hearing different people not being able to pronounce the player names and just going on and on and calling them the wrong names over and over. But Anyway, so yeah, um, Funniest Home Bloopers is my take for the the name of this pod. Dale, did you want to um, uh, have I, a go I'm, at any I, of that? I agree. It's it's. I am a big fan of Georgie Omendale, and I think that she's come on in leaps and bounds since she started her commentary. But like, and I also know this is a kind of landscape that Fox, specifically Fox, are working in, in that a lot of these games, obviously because of COVID, they're being called out of one of the booths in Artarman, which is not, you know, preferable, but that's kind of the way that it is at this point. Um, but it does frustrate me that we've gone from having uh, a, a plethora of, of women to commentate, um, some of whom are no longer with the broadcasters. Think of um, Anna Harrington, friend of mine and probably friend of the show. Um, well, not probably friend of the show, very much a friend of the show. Um, who who used to call games for uh, for Fox Sports, not necessarily on the regular, but to fit in. And we had Ray Dower who would do color commentary. Um, as I said, Georgie Omendale, we would have had. Um, there's 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 plenty of qualified people, ex players, people out there. We've had Sarah Walsh, Joey Peters. Um, there's there's I could I could probably name more, but I'd have to be going back and. and going through the archives. I mean, even Kate Gill used to call games immediately after she retired and she was calling games as, as late as I believe two seasons ago before she took on a, a more in-depth role at the PFA. Um, but it does frustrate the bejesus out of me that we um, are not hearing more women in comms and, and, and not just that, but as you say, more people who, more men who specialize in women's football. And I'm not trying to toot our own horn here, but we have a, 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 a roll call of men uh, here and obviously women as well, but specifically, um, Eric is called MPLW here in New South Wales. Um, we've got r- relatively good callers here in New South Wales, and we're very lucky um, to to have that kind of knowledge within our, you know, readily within our grasp. But it do- it does frustrate me that you do have people who, um, for whom this seems a bit of an afterthought, and and there there have been. Uh, various examples of that throughout the season um, from player pronunciations to just not knowing who players are. And I can kind of understand that if this is your first time calling any of these games and you haven't done your research and that's tough. Um, but like, if you know that you've got a game calling up a game that you're calling coming up, then it's up to you to do better. And it's up to the broadcasters to provide better commentary for fans. Emily Gale, Nick ring a bell for anyone. 
No. <laughs> don't yeah, know who that is. <laughs> it's a bit messy. Look, I'll put it out there. This is my commitment that I will put together a list of uh, women or people. Let's just let's just call us people who are qualified and in theory available to call women's football. Yeah, and we had the, we if, literally if had this discussion at the pub. Like, it can't be that hard. It can't be that hard. Like, there are people that all of us know who know this league in and out. Like, who go to games, who have been going to games for years, and you can't be expecting them to call a play by play. But like, there, there's hundreds of fans out there who would jump at the chance for this. Most of whom who are writing for free or writing for very little money, who would do this kind of thing if they need someone to fill in. Like. It's there. There's people there. Just make it happen. Cool. All right. The other hot topic that I've got on my list anyway was that I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed about shirt holding. Oh, no. I'm, an- I'm annoyed about things not being pulled up because I don't think it makes the game look good. And at least we don't have flopping and diving and those kinds of things. And I think it just gets to the point where if you're beaten, you know, you need to use your body for position, but yeah, shirt holding just it just annoys me. Is there something that annoys you guys, or is it just me? I like dirty plays, so I'm pretty open <laughs> about that. So, um, so I, I'm sorry. I think we're going to have to be at opposite ends on the spectrum. For this one. I think they also make. I also I think a shirt play that someone um might potentially get away with may they make for awesome photographs. So yeah, I, I'm sorry, Cheryl. I'll come back you up on this one. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in Eric's corner on this as well. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! All right. I, yeah, I do. I do. One of the things that I do love about women's football in comparison to its male counterpart is the lack of theatrics. But like Ali Green diving for the most obvious foul I've ever seen in my life on the weekend. <laughs> she got pulled back, and she literally just fell on the ball and like started crawling after it. And then the ref called the foul. Like sometimes that's okay, and it's just little things like. Um, players like if a player if a team's winning and their player has the ball and has conceded a throw in like walking backwards with the ball in their hand <laughs> offering it to the other team like just little <laughs> things like that are okay like test tamplin got booked for b- delaying the restart uh in the second half last uh last night um against sydney but like there's a big difference between little bits of kind of dark arts where you do those little things or you throw the ball up really high to the player who's taking the throw in or you like roll the ball backwards when it's a free kick just little things like that there's a big difference between that and like kicking the ball into a creek um (laughs) my big thing with shirt pulls just to bring it back to your point is the thing that annoys me is that players don't players don't a play to the whistle or B, make the foul more obvious. So, like, not necessarily diving, but, like, if you're in front and you get your shirt pulled, I was not necessarily taught, but just, like, stopping and letting the player get the ball and then chasing them down. Because 90% of the time, the ref or the AR will see that. Um, but if you if it's seen as a contest, then you'll kind of get away with it because you expect that it's going 50-50. But, yeah, shirt pulls. As a, as a, former, as a former, as a reformed goalkeeper, shirt pulls are not fun. All righty. Maybe we can put a poll on social media for that one. I have to dark talk arts, to Eric. Good or bad. Yeah, dark arts, good or bad. Or we have to word it in such a way that both sides sound good. And I'd be really interested to see what people really think about it. All right. We've had plenty of um, off-game discussion. Let's talk about the actual games as well and, and give maybe quick summaries on, on those as well. So Adelaide, Melbourne victory. 
I think for me, the, the quickest thing I said was that I, Zimmerman's goal was great and that put Zimmerman, I'm just going to have a quick look, that puts her in fifth position, is it? No, fourth position on the goal scoring ladder. So she's got three goals, which isn't that many. Michelle Heyman's on six, Emily Gilnick or Gail Nick, depending on who you're listening to. And Tara Andrews have both got four and then Catherine Zimmerman on three. So I think that's amazing for a player who's made her debut in the W League this season. And it shows that we see a lot of players who struggle with the step up. And I think Zimmerman's doing a great job with stepping up and being available and, you know, getting some consistent goals. So that was probably the specific call out for me, apart from I think Rojas continues to be um, amazing out there and a symbol of strength for Adelaide. They don't look far away. And I think victory in the end were kind of lucky, but I also think Melbourne victory did a terrific job to turn around a, a six nil drubbing from Brisbane Raw the previous week. Yes. Um, I think this Adelaide have been wonderful to watch this season. And this is probably their first real challenge. It, it remains to be seen hopefully uh, how they recover from this. Hopefully they bounce back because I think that they have a squad that is incredibly talented. It wasn't a great performance. I felt they were rushed in the ball. They were just rushing possession and decisions on the ball for the whole game. Uh, Victory did that as well, but not to the extent that Adelaide did. It just wasn't the same kind of fluidity that they'd shown in their first three games. I know that happens with young sides. It's really just a matter of how they um, bounce back from that. But uh, credit credit to victory. I did like the variation on the set piece. It wasn't just lobbed into the mixer. There was a clear pan, plan from either Andrew Beard played the free kick, was it? So it was yep. into the far post, the header from Molina Ayres. Yep, Ayres, Ayres back across the goal. Goal, yeah. So there's clearly a plan. Zimmerman's made the run. Just um, Marushka Baldus just hasn't quite read it in time. And so Ayres... Managing to head it over Marushka Baldus' very tall frame, lovely stuff, and then Zimmerman doing what all good strikers do, running in, close-range finish, and that's the points for Melbourne victory. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said, mate. Like, they... I feel like Adelaide got a little bit ahead of themselves. Um, like, they saw what happened last week with victory, and they just thought, we're going to turn up, and we're just going to absolutely pants these players. Um, and victory to their credit put up a really good fight. Um, they grew into the game as well. I feel victory after it's obviously one of those things where when you get beaten by a lot of goals, you kind of want to get out there and, and iron the kinks out as quickly as possible. Um, and that was lucky that they were playing on Friday night. So they obviously would have had a lot less chance to a lot, a lot less time and a lot less chance to think about where it went wrong against Brisbane. Um, but yeah, I th- I think um, this was just a really good back and forth game too. I think both keepers were really good, and the point that you make about um, Ayers header back across the goal, Eric was ev- if you watch that footage back, everybody is just looking at the ball, everyone, and Zimmerman just comes in and untouched. She was there was no one near her, and she just nodded it past the keeper. Um, it's it's one of those funny things where, as you said, Shez previously like. This could have been a draw, but um, I feel like Victory really deserved the points in this one. They were much more clinical. They, um, they, I feel like they created a lot more. And when they did eventually get that chance in the six-yard box, they were pretty lethal. 
Awesome. All right. The next one that we've got is Canberra United versus the Western Sydney Wanderers. And just before we lead into this, we do have some post-match audio that we'll put in our show extras. We feel like maybe the pods were getting a little bit long, so we're putting them in the extras so you can take your time to get to them. But we've got, I think, Michelle Heyman. We've got some general post-match. Thanks very much to Stefan for those bits and pieces. And then we've got some content from Vicky Linton as well. So these are really good things to, to listen to. So Dale, I don't know if you wanted to give us your thoughts on that 3-0 victory for Canberra. Um, pretty quick summation. Canberra, very good at football. Um, <laughs> I, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch this entire game, but they looked crisp. Um, kind of didn't understand why Wanderers wore their all-black jersey <laughs> in the middle of summer, but it's just another sartorial note on a show that is quickly becoming the New York fashion show. Um, but yeah, as as I said, like they just look so crisp. They look they they look, and I know that a lot of them have been, but they look like they've been playing together for twelve months. Um, and some of these players have only just stepped up to, to W league level. So players like obviously easy for is kind of getting much more of a go. Um, Emma Ilyoshki, um, uh, a number of other players, Kulazakis really getting a run in the dub and, and Flannery kind of getting back to her, her pet, the peak of her powers. Grace Meyer obviously getting a lot more minutes as well. Um, but yeah, they look like they've been hanging out for donkey's years. Wanderers. Um, I feel bad which as a fan of the Sydney men's team really pains me to say. Um, but I do feel a little bit bad in the same way that like, if I see a child fall over, I feel bad. Um, it's a little <laughs> bit funny, but I also kind of feel guilty. Um, like I feel bad for Hef because like they were so good last year, but they, they weren't able to recruit the quality of player that they were, uh, that they were last year. And that's not his fault. Um, if they were able to recruit as well as they did last year, then I don't think that they'd be in this position. Um, but I do feel bad for him because as, as we mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a chance to speak to Hef after the game and he just looks like, not like a broken man, but like he's just, he, he knows the highs and he knows what success feels like now. And it's really tough to come back from that um, when your team's not doing so well. So hopefully Wanderers can get a few more points on the board, but hopefully it's not against any of the teams that I care about. Is Canberra almost the epitome of showcasing to the W League what the youngsters or the less experienced players can deliver? Because I'll go on record and, and say at the start of the season, I just thought this season's going to be not great. Um, I don't know if I was thinking anything stronger than that. Just because of the exodus that we saw of the Matildas, I, I know that we've still got some Matildas around, but plenty of them playing great football in the FAWSL, which is what we want to see. But I thought it was going to be very much to the detriment of the W League. And, and I'll take my hat off a bit and say it's really given some of the players an opportunity to showcase them skills to get some more minutes under some more professional coaching environments and those sorts of things. So yeah, Canberra, are they the best team at demonstrating what that can look like? I think so. And I think they've always really tried to be because if you look back at the throughout the years of, of Canberra as, as a club, they've basically been, they've, they've been their home hometown team. Like they, there's obviously no men's team to kind of take the gloss off them. Um, but at the same time, they have, consistently been the top pathway for their 
best players. And it's kind of, um, for me, Canberra, football in Canberra specifically, but sorry, football in Canberra, but more specifically women's football in Canberra, kind of has the what in New South Wales is known, well, not just in New South Wales, but it's known as the Wagga effect, where players who play in the country, there's the old adage that like, if you're good enough, you're old enough. But if you grow up in Wagga or anywhere around there, there's a really high concentration of top quality, like rugby league players, AFL players, cricketers, test cricketers have come from there. And, and I feel like with, with the way that Canberra has been set up and especially since the founding of the Academy, they've been able to bring through these quality young players like Rose Bark and, um, and uh, obviously showcasing Ellie Carpenter's quality um, before she went to city. But also when you think about it, players like Grace Gill who played 60 appearances in the dub um, had someone like Sally Shippard come back and have a, a hometown team to play for players like Caitlin Munoz and, uh, and Mar and Flannery, who obviously made their, their debuts on the weekend, but also players like Lydia Williams. Like, who, who ever thought that a, a skinny Indigenous kid from, you know, the Northern Territory moved to Canberra and they become the best keeper in the country? Would she have had that opportunity if she moved to, to Sydney? Maybe not, because she would have been pushed further and further back down the line to, to make those appearances and to sacrifice more, to travel more, to, to give more, to play against tougher opponents. Would she have had that opportunity? It's tough to say. I think that that's the best thing that Canberra have done. And it's one of the things that young players going to Canberra can expect. Um, similar to, say, the Mariners in the A-League. They, they produced a lot of really good players in the, in, the, in the years past. But, like, that's one of the good things about a small market. You will find these gems. And, yeah, there might be players who get out there and get, like, four W League appearances um, in their career and go back to playing in the NPL. But when it comes to young, locally grown, locally bred talent, there's no better place in Canberra. So, Eric, you were at the game. You can give us your um, quick thoughts on what you thought was great as well. But I, I just thought that Dale was at his mum's again, but he mustn't be there anymore. <laughs> yeah, Canberra, I think they, they they didn't leave it late, as as has been their habit this season. So, and that, that was a nice... And Vicky was very pleased about that. She did say, I believe, what's the effect of we've been trying to do that all season, go start fast this is the wall this is the first time we actually did it but yeah just uh, basically not um, taking their foot off the pedal until the game was won I think there will possibly something to work on because it did at times go a bit flat in the second half but you know, that, that can happen when you get three goals in the first half and yeah just to uh, Dale's point about youth and the Wargo effect I mean strengthening that even more is the, uh, the signing that looks better every week I, Jessica Nash, who looked good for Football New South Wales Institute in NPL, has looked good for the junior Matildas, but has lifted significantly in the W League. And even I am shocked by just how much this 16-year-old has lifted and how well she is playing and how much she already looks like a leader. And a nice counterpoint, um, Jessica Nash is from Blacktown, which is where the Wanderers headquarters is, which I, I, quite, which I quite like. So, it's quite ironic, really. Like, they've got a really yeah. good Wanderers are in the same kind of patch. Like, they've got a yeah. huge, traditionally, a huge kind of catchment of players. Yeah. And they've let this 16-year-old go down the road, and she's just been absolutely killing it at Canberra. And the, as you would have, you've mentioned off mic a number of times, Eric, but, like, she's 16, and she's telling these older players, she's bossing them around the park. Like her and Kendall Fletcher as your centre-back pairing, you're not going to take 
you you, t- you know you listen to those two and and I'm really I've been really impressed with Nash so far this season. Yeah, agree, and it's good for football and it's good for the Matildas. I hope so. Um, touch wood that we see more of Nash through the the whole development program. Sixteen, she's got plenty of time. Doesn't mean she can't get out there and play for the Matildas already, because we've seen lots of uh, younger players make their debuts at a very young age. But hey, there's no Matildas football on at the moment anyway. The next match, the third match of the the round that we had was Melbourne City against Brisbane. We we talked earlier on it was a a 2-3 result in favour of Brisbane and Brisbane really did have plenty of chances. I think Emily Gilnick who probably was copying the wrath of a couple of people on social media earlier on in the season you know she's steadying the ship a little bit I think there was a a lot of good play out there. They were still without Katrina Gorry. I think Brisbane do look pretty good out there. I, I that, that's for me what I think. And I think Melbourne City, I think they've got some players who, in my mind, are underperforming at the moment. Um, and I'd like to see that lift. And I'm not necessarily sure why they're underperforming. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at, at that for the moment. Um, yeah, maybe, Eric, your thoughts as well. Um, don't have much because I was... I think when this game started, I was still somewhere in country New South Wales. And when it finished, I was battling through Sydney's lovely traffic. But it, it's just good to see. I mean, we we kind of sense this through the opening um, rounds that Brisbane just need to get get a, an early goal and then it would flow. And that's what happened against Big Three. And they've basically continued it against Melbourne City. Um, so I you know, don't really have much more insight, but it's, it's good to see Brisbane finally living up to what they are on paper, because, I mean, on paper, they look amazing. And really, it's just the same in terms of the premiership, that it's probably come too late for them in this very short season that we have. But, I mean, as you said, Cheryl, finals, a different, a different proposition altogether, and already they look absolutely terrifying. Uh, I would just like to point out that uh, Brisbane have not won a finals game since 2014. Make of that what you will. Uh, and then they lost to Melbourne Victory at Lakeside. Uh, anyway, um, moving <laughs> moving along before I embarrass the club any further, um, I I th- I think that's a good point. Shares about like um, Brisbane growing into the season because they definitely grew into this match. Like they were two 0 down at one point, and it looked like, as I said, with that Chino- with that um, Dobson pass to Kira, like that if if City score there, like they just pass the ball around for seventy five minutes. And, and Brisbane potentially caught more goals. Um, but I, th- I think that there's one thing that we can always say about a, a, a Brisbane Raw team is whether they're playing well or whether they're playing poorly, that they will play out the 90 minutes. And that's both on the men's side and on the, the women's side. They, Brisbane Raw is a team that has a specific setup, as does Melbourne City. They have a way that they play the game and they expect that to be followed to the T. Um, City will be kicking themselves that they didn't win this. I like, as I said, how they let this game slip, I do not understand. Brisbane were coming off, um, you know, a shorter turnaround, more travel. Um, yeah, I just, I don't understand how they let this one get away. Um, but yeah, as I said, um, they, they had it there. They were holding three points in their hands. And Worth made that amazing save. And it's it wouldn't surprise me if that's the kind of thing that they would have said as to like to G them up in the second half. Just to say, like, you know, 
we had an opportunity. Let's not let, let this slip. Um, because you know, they, 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 you know, as I said, they should have, they should have, they should have gone gone ahead. They should have, they could have won this game. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. And then the last match that we've got for the round was Sydney against Newcastle. I think for me, defensively, Newcastle looked like they um, they played pretty well. I, I think that I, I don't know whether or not the two 0 loss makes it look better for Sydney or, or not. I think Newcastle were in the game at different points in time, but I have to say I haven't yet seen the entire game. I, I think Hannah Brewer in particular was quite good. Uh, yeah, was it Sydney's best game, do you think? No. Um, however, it was still well worth the three-and-a-half-hour drive from Canberra straight to Cromer Park. But um, it wasn't Sydney's best game, but, you know, doing what champ- – Champions team, they always say champion teams do, which is win when you're not playing well. Court, <laughs> I, I'd like to think Courtney Vine meant that strike for the first goal, but she probably She definitely did. She meant it. She definitely celebrated like she meant it. She celebrated like she is, is with like absolutely nothing in the celebration. But I think whatever people's reservations are about um the Chroma Park pitch. I just think it's wonderful, the sense of community, as we Dale mentioned already, that this was very apparent um, during the game. You know, there's not, you know, national level football doesn't come to the Northern Beaches too often. It's great to see um, the locals really getting behind it. And kind of like what I think people always say about Canberra, um, that, you know, they're really a team that the community gets behind. It's, It's just the same thing when, uh, Sydney FC come to the Northern Beaches. Uh, and speaking of the Northern Beaches, Remy Stevenson by breaking her goal drought in front of her literal hometown crowd. And um, it's, it's the first W League goal she's ever scored at Cromer Park. And so it, that was wonderful. It was, a, it was a bit messy. She may have left a little bit in on Claire Coelho, but as uh, our esteemed colleague Dale always says, they don't draw pictures on the score sheet. And she finally has a W League goal at home. And she absolutely loved it. And she was buzzing in the post-match as well. Yeah, she was so stoked. Yeah. And um, we spoke to uh, Lockie after the game. And I think he said, I've never seen anybody so relieved when they scored. Um, she'd been... Like, we were having discussions um, as, as recently as last week about... Um, is this really the best that Sydney can do? You've got a Lira Toby sitting on the bench who is a renowned goal poacher. Um, is it time to give Remy the flick? But she proved me wrong and she proved me wrong pretty handily. Um, it was a decent finish. Quell, obviously, Quoio, I think, could have done a little bit better. Um, like, uh, she kind of stands still and expects the foul, which obviously you can't do, but um, it was a good finish. I think. Um, one thing that really impressed me again from the perspective of Sydney was that, honestly, aside from the the Wyman save on house that I mentioned previously, Newcastle looked like they could have been there for a week and they still wouldn't have scored because they didn't really have a lot of opportunities like flush on goal. Um, whereas whenever Sydney went forward, they looked really threatening. Um, it did become a little chippy in the second half. Um, there were about four bookings that I was really struggling to keep up with on the live tweets, um, mainly because I had to think of a new type of cheese that every player was getting <laughs> in case you had missed that. 
Um, but I think that will be an ongoing theme through the season. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a, it was a good game. But it, as you said, it was a little bit um, it was a little bit tetchy and and the surface wasn't fantastic. But um, it it felt like there were fifteen thousand people there when Seamson scored. It was so loud, and I know that we were up the back of the grandstand and like obviously the sound reverberates, but. It must have felt so good for her to finally kind of hear that cheer from her home crowd. Alrighty, that's it. That was round six. Let's talk about round seven, which I just feel like I'm confused. Every time I look at the fixtures, I don't really know who's playing. I don't know if it's a round 10 match in round seven. I don't know if Perth are going to play four games in two days or something or other. It just seems a little bit confusing. What I think I know at the moment is that Sydney are playing Canberra. Um, and if we go through maybe our tips on those straight up, I I kind of thought that maybe I'd pick Canberra because I like green, but I think Sydney might take it. And the reason that I say that is I think that Heyman is one player who's scoring for them. I think Sydney are pretty smart and I think they might have the, the nous to work out maybe how to nullify Heyman a little bit and that will put them in front. That's That's my position on that one, Eric. What are your thoughts for Sydney versus Canberra? Um, well, uh, my first thought is, why is there a W League, A League doubleheader on a Monday? Kickoffs are 4.35 and 7.10. I now have to um, flutter my eyelashes and ask my boss very, very <laughs> nicely for some flex time. But now on to the actual football. Um, I just, it's going to feel like Sydney FC, they, it's such a, it'd be such a great game to watch. I think Sydney FC will just edge it. I'm going to make a very awkward goal prediction because I believe that Ellie Brush will score against Canberra United. I'd like to see that. If Ellie Brush celebrates, I'm going to throw hands. There's going to be trouble. <laughs> um, speaking of, as I said, Courtney Vine didn't celebrate on the weekend. Uh, don't that was, know how, yeah, that was interesting. Don't know quite how I felt about that. Um, usually I'm one for giving it large to your old club, but like, and they did. They did want her. They, yeah, Newcastle did want to keep Vine. But um, uh, in in terms of Sydney Canberra, I there's there's no way on God's green earth that this is going to be a nil nil. Um, I, I have both teams to score probably like a two one or a two two. Um, I do think that Heyman, um, Sydney will do well to nullify Heyman, but at the same time, she is a very crafty player. And she will know these players inside out from having played against them over the last few months. Not necessarily just playing against them, but also having watched them. She knows Ellie Brush like the back of her hand. Um, They played 100 games together at Canberra. If I remember correctly, when Canberra lost the semifinal to Melbourne City in 2016, Ellie Brush was presented with the Premier's played after the game and Heyman was presented with a 100th jersey. So they've been playing together for forever. They will know each other. They played against each other in the semifinal of the MPLW competition this year. Um, Likewise, players like Faletta and Ilyoshki and Nash and almost this whole Canberra team, this this is effectively like the two best New South Wales uh, MPLW teams going at it with obviously a few inclusions. Um, But this game is going to be an absolute banger. And the thing that frustrates me, it is such a shame that this is on at 4.30 on a Monday because this deserves prime time. This deserves a Thursday night or a a Sunday evening. 
Um, it's a real shame that this game's kind of been shafted. But I, as we mentioned with the whole Perth Glory situation, like teams are going to play in weird situations. It's just a shame that this game has to be the one that's sacrificed. To talk about Perth Glory, the next two matches that I think might be happening are Melbourne City against Perth on Thursday, maybe, and then Melbourne Victory against Perth on another day, maybe. I think Perth are actually going to lose both of those matches, unfortunately. Um, good for the Melbourne teams. It it does look like a good opportunity for Melbourne Victory to change their goal difference from zero to something better than zero. Um, and also... Uh, for them, ideally, to get the three points. I think it's going to be tough for Perth, and I don't, based on the games that I've seen, I don't think their form necessarily lends itself at the moment for them taking three points off either of the... taking any points off either of those two teams. I, I so, don't don't disagree at all. I think you're spot on. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the I suppose the... In many ways, the most reckless prediction I can make is that those two games will actually go ahead. But assuming they do, <laughs> assuming they do, I have a feeling in this prop. Well, I mean, I don't really care about getting predictions wrong. If Perth, Melbourne City, Alex Aparkas has a great attention to detail. One example, I asked him rough. I once spoke to him before in preparation for a commentary game. Roughly, what's the average age of your Sydney Union squad? Straight away, he said twenty-one point two. So that's his level of attention to detail. He will definitely know how City can be exploited. He'll know what the weaknesses are. It's just a matter of the execution. Why not? I, I think if that game goes ahead, Perth will win and Hannah Lowry will score. But they won't be victory. They won't back up and beat victory. I think that should be pretty comfortable. I'd like, uh, I'd like to predict a trademark Molina Airs banger from outside the box in that game. I think that's, that's kind of... We've, had, we've seen a lot. This season, a lot of fantastic stuff. That's man, one of the few things that we're missing. So hopefully Melina can deliver in um, whenever she plays her next game. And what do you think, we'll throw straight to you again, Eric, what do you think about the Wanderers against Adelaide, which we think is another match, but, you know, any of this is subject to who knows yes. what. Yes, the, the game that was uh, such a big question mark that they didn't even have a venue on it when they um, published the, um, re, the published the new draw or I think the date is still TBC on the official website. It's all up in the air. But um, I think, yeah, just it's it does look hard for the Wanderers to get out of their run. I, I think Adelaide are good enough and Adrian Stent is good enough to lead them to a bounce back at wherever this is played. What by at this this late in the day, I think it'll be played at the Wanderers um, Center of Football in Rudy Hill. So a win for Adelaide and why not? I love this player. A goal for Matilda McNamara. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to agree with you on that one. Um, I, on all fronts, except for Matilda McNamara, I don't think that she will score. Um, I want to see Coach Rojas, who's one of the shortest players in the in the comp, chip uh, the Wanderers keeper um, because I think that that will be very funny. Um, I like seeing <laughs> players who are four foot eleven chip goalkeepers, um, and also <laughs> we'll get to see Adelaide's great yellow away kit, which I really, really like. Ooh, yes, yes. Um, on the other two games, um, I feel sorry for the Perth Glory kit man because it means that he's going to have to bring both sets of jerseys because they will play in purple if they play City, and then they'll play in white if they play Victory. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if Perth beat City. Tough prediction, but I wouldn't be shocked. If they can catch City, 
I feel like that's that game's only going to go one of two ways. It's going to be like City four Perth nil, or City nil Perth one. Um, because I think that, as you mentioned, Aparkas is great when it comes to detail, and I would not be surprised if he can out coach Rado Vidicic. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's that's a- the one thing they have in their advantage. You can definitely out coach Rado Vidicic. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. sitting on an office chair that could probably out coach Rado Vidicic. But look, enough defamation for one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, are Dale's personal comments. We should add. <laughs> Alrighty. So that should leave, in theory, Brisbane and Newcastle. Both teams that will have a buy. I we think um, probably comes at a nice time for Brisbane in a way to make sure that all players are fighting fit for the second half of the season and that's one of the things that will work to an extreme disadvantage to Perth who are probably out of the running already that they've already had more buys than you can poke a stick at and like I said they'll be playing four games in in two days or or some such thing. For Newcastle um, yeah same for them it it gives them an opportunity to regroup they're they're playing some good football here and there we just need to see what their run home looks like but probably again out of the running. The other quick thing to talk about, we're probably running a little bit long on the pod, was in in regards to the FAWSL or a little bit, we had Chloe Legazzo has signed, um, I think she's she's left Bristol City and she has headed off to Kansas 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 City. Yes, a a team that has a team with no name at this point. Yeah. yeah, so I think Chloe has gone out on record saying that she felt like she had unfinished business. I think Bristol will miss her significantly. She'd been playing 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 90 minutes. So, um, but yeah, all the very best to her. It'd be interesting to see how the NWSL kicks off and with the FAWSL, I mean, they've got such a backlog of games in their own space at the moment. I think the other key news to bring up here rather than talk about all the results is probably to talk about Sam Kerr score a goal a piece in her matches against I think it was Aston Villa and Tottenham so that puts her um, sitting reasonably pretty in the goal scorers there I think she's she's on nine and that's second in their tally so and with Fran Kirby right up right beneath her as well. So Sam Kerr, as much as she maybe initially was pointed at saying she's not delivering the goods, I think she's she's doing some good assists. She's playing lots of games. She's getting a good number of goals. So FAWSL, a good move for Sam Kerr and a good good move for them as well. Any thoughts on that, guys? Um, leaving Sam Kerr unmarked the back post. Don't do it. Good plan? Not, not a good plan, huh? Don't do it. Yep. No. I've heard that, that I've heard that that is a bad idea and yes. reduces your chances. I'm not a genius. <laughs> <laughs> yep, she's, she's probably able to do a fair bit of good in that. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the pod yet again. Thanks guys for joining us on the pod. It's always great to talk about football. Sorry I wasn't there last week, but I was celebrating a big birthday and hanging out with some great mates from Canberra Football Mates, which we we call them family. So that that's we should, fantastic. We, we as we as you say, we were remiss. Happy twenty first, Cheryl. Glad that you got out out of Melbourne for it, Matt. Many, many thank yous. Yeah, so that's good. We'll talk to everyone again in another week's time. And we hear that Jen Wilmot actually had a great time talking to you and vice versa. So we'll try and maybe get Jen back on the pod at another time. Kick Connect, keep an eye out for them. They've got, um, got some great events coming in the future as well. And we might have some special guests from Beyond 90 on some of those kick sessions as well so thanks everyone for listening thank you guys again and we'll talk to you next time listen to the extras great stuff in there see you later